Amen. The, this week, the Lord put an old song in my heart that I've been kind of singing to myself all week. Some of you will know this, and I, I don't guess I'm going to try to sing it, but I want to give you some of the lyrics from the song. But it's called Living by Faith. How many of you are living by faith today? Can I see your hands? How many of you are just struggling to get by? The first verse says this. It says, I care not today what the morrow may bring. If shadow or sunshine or rain, the Lord I know ruleth over everything, and all of my worries are vain. And then on the chorus it says, I'm living by faith. Sing it with me if you know it. In Jesus above. Sounds good. I'm trusting confiding in his great love. Can we pick it up a little bit faster? And from growing up in church that, that I was a kid in and they'd start singing that Sister Kathy Watson who is a missionary today has been very faithful for several years you know what it reminds me of Kathy Watson is Donna Gillenwater they look a lot alike, they share the same personality traits I mean they're excitable but she can get she gets started in the choir loft. We had those old theater seats. They were made out of wood. She'd take her wedding band, and I, she didn't do it on purpose, but she'd start banging her ring on that, that wooden chair. She'd set the tempo, and it wouldn't be long before the church would kind of start, start swaying back and forth a little bit, and they'd all just start singing, I'm living by faith in Jesus above. Sing it out with me, come on. Clap your hands, trusting, confiding in his great love. And from all hearts saved, in his sheltering arms, well, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Let's try that first verse just for just for the fun of it now. I care not today what tomorrow may bring, if shadow or sunshine or rain. The Lord I know ruleth for everything, and all of my worries are vain. You got it. Come on, see. to watch Harper play her very first basketball game of the season. It was a terrible game. 
the refs don't know how to call even on that level of playing. They called traveling about every 30 seconds and double dribble like those little kids are supposed to know how to dribble properly. And they, they loved their whistles and they blew them frequently. And finally, this pastor, this man of God sitting on the side got frustrated with it and I took my hat off. And I was getting ready to throw my hat down on the basketball court and say, don't call that anymore. I'd already been saying it under my breath. And just as I was allowing my frustrations to get the best of me, little Henry came up behind and he just hugged around my neck. And it just and, and he didn't know. He, he was probably hoping I'd give him some money so he could go get a Coke or something. And that little hug from that little boy in that moment caused me to think, you know, I don't care about whether they win. I don't care about whether or not it's good basketball because obviously it was not good basketball. Not at that age group. I don't care if the officials just keep on blowing their whistles. I don't care about any of that because that's not the reason that I'm here. The reason that I'm here today is to be with my family and to be with my, my Franklin grandkids and watch them enjoy life. And you know, it dawned on me that sometimes we just got to put the junk of life aside and just enjoy the moment that God has given us. Amen. Now, I don't know if I should tell this or not, but our team did not score at all until the last minute of the game. And we finally got a basket. And lo and behold, the one who made that basket was my granddaughter, Harper. <clears throat> and, and when that ball went through that hoop, this grandpa jumped up and just had the time of his life. And all the rest of it was just, it didn't matter at all because victory had come. And I just have a word for somebody today. Some of you are just letting the cares of this life just bring you down it's hard for you to enjoy any day whatsoever. But let me tell you something. Your circumstance is, what, is not what's important. What is important is the victory that's going to come as you continue to have faith in Jesus Christ. He will see you through. Amen. We are living by faith. I didn't ask my wife if we could do that today, but boy, she just jumped right in there and did a great job. And, uh, and Justin over there playing the hand drums, he did a great, great job. Thank you for singing that with me today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to take them and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. I've had this message on my heart all this week. I've just made a decision in my life that I'm going to go out swinging. How many of you want to go out swinging? You know, uh, those of you who are younger, you can't yet relate to this. But when you get to be about 64, 65 years of age like I am, you have to start thinking about stuff that you never thought you'd have to think about. You have to think about uh, Medicare. You, you have to think about, you know, do you want an Advantage plan or a supplemental you know, do you want to keep your doctors or you want, do you want to get some new ones? Do you, you know, what if you have to go in a nursing home one of these days? You know, what, what about all that junk? You have to start thinking about some of those kinds of things. 
And to be honest with you, it can be a bit overwhelming. It can, it, you know, you can get to the place where it's like, you know, Lord, if I had my druthers, I'd rather not have any of it. I'd rather you just come and take me and let me spend eternity with you. But then there's always what Paul said. He said, if it was up to me, I'd go right now. But I can't go right now because I have to stay because of you. And so I would say to you today, you know, I wouldn't mind going right now if that was the Lord's will for my life, but He isn't taking me because I'm here, I'm still assigned to you. So I am thankful for the blessings that God has given me. We have to learn how to live by faith. We have to learn how to not allow any circumstance that we might be facing to bring us down, to discourage us, to depress us, to cause us to dread tomorrow, but instead to look to the future with faith. So tonight, or this morning, I want to talk to you about unleashing the extraordinary in your life. How many of you would like to go out, as Kenny Rogers used to sing, in a blaze of glory? How many of you would like to go out knowing that your faith is burning strong and that God is able to use you in a great and mighty way? We're going to talk about that today, Hebrews chapter 11. I want to talk about the power of faith and how that we can unleash the extraordinary in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the joy of the Lord that I sense in this house today, a group of people that are so proud to be your children, to know that you are their Lord and you are their Savior. And Lord, I'm thankful that we have the opportunity to gather together in your house to honor you and worship you. And I pray now this morning that you will speak to us by and through your word, that you will open our spiritual ears, that we may be able to hear that one or two phrases, maybe, that will touch us and change us. The entire message that will light our soul on fire for kingdom things and kingdom living. And Lord, I pray that you'll touch us today. Help me to say what needs to be said. Help me to preach with fire and fervency and faith. And Lord, when we leave this house today, if there's a single individual in this place that has been struggling with difficulty and doubt, I pray that it will be replaced by faith and hope for the future. In Jesus' name, amen. So today as we gather, we're going to talk about and explore this idea of faith. Listen, faith is not a mere religious concept. It is a force that has the power to transform our lives. Our lives can be different because of faith. It will allow us in life to move mountains. It will literally bring us closer to God. In chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews... There are some very familiar stories and phrases and passages that I know that you will recognize. And so I want us to talk about it today, beginning at verse 1. Let's read. It says, Now faith, and I'm reading, I'm reading today from the New American Standard Bible. Now faith is the certainty of things that are hoped for. It is proof of things that are not yet seen. For by it, the people of old gained approval. And by faith, we understand that the world has been created by the word of God, so that what is seen 
has not been made out of things that are visible. So let's talk about that for just a few moments. What does it mean to be people of faith? <clears throat> well, first of all, let's define what faith is. It is, in the King James Version, version described as the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Now, for young Christians, this can be very confusing because how can something be real if it has not yet materialized? If it is materialized in our lives, then faith is no longer needed because it is already reality. But if it has not materialized in our lives yet, then we must operate and believe by faith. So this chapter begins to describe faith. And it says, faith is the assurance, the substance of things hoped for, the conviction or the evidence of things not yet seen. So faith is not based on tangible evidence. You can't always reach out and touch what it is that you believe for. You can't always grab hold of what you're hoping for and praying for because you are still living in faith until God decides to manifest that thing in your life. So you have to learn how to live the majority of your life by faith. Faith is not based on tangible evidence, but rather by a firm confidence in God's promises. It is the substance of our hope. Stop for a moment and think about something that you are hoping for. Give me, give me the slide, if you will, up there, guys. It is the thing that we are hoping for, but we have to believe until the hope becomes real. It is the substance of our hope. It is the driving force behind our action. It is what moves us every day. We believe that God has given us a promise, and therefore, if God is going to be faithful to us through His promises, then it is what we drive our lives toward. It is what we attempt to achieve by believing in Him. Our faith in God enables us to see beyond the physical realm and trust in His divine providence. You know, there's, there's this middle place in life that we need to get a good handle on. How many of you know there's such a place as heaven? It's real. It exists. How many of you know that there's a place called earth? But there's also a middle ground. There is this place in between. It is where God sent Satan, Lucifer, when he came out of heaven because of his sin. Did you know that the Bible describes Lucifer, Satan, as the prince of the power of the air? So he lives in this middle area, if you will, and he is controlling those things that God has allowed him to control in this time. But do you know who else spends a lot of time in the middle realm? It is the angels of God. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 91 that God has given his angels charge over us to protect us, to bring victory to us. 
I'm reminded of the Old Testament story where Jacob was uh, sleeping and, and, and there was a ladder going into the heavens and, and angels were ascending and descending uh, to where he was. And what they were doing is they were, they were ministering to him based on the promises of God that were being brought to him. How many of you know that every day that we live, angels are all around us? Angels go wherever we go. When we go to work, the angels of God are with us. When we're in the car driving, the angels of God are ministering to us. When we're discouraged and depressed, the angels of God bring us a word of joy. Joy and, and allow us to be grateful for the blessings of God. The angels of God are active in our lives. They are feeding our faith. They are, they are energizing our hope as we wait upon the promises of God. Aren't you glad that God is on our side? And if God is on our side, who can be against us? So faith is the driving force behind our actions. If we're not careful, if we slip into doubt, doubt will start driving our vehicle. Doubt will start driving our life. Instead of believing what God has said, we'll start doubting what God said. And the Bible tells us that if we can't have faith, if we slip into doubt, then it says, let that person not believe that they will receive anything from the Lord because they're walking in doubt. Listen, some of you have been walking in doubt. Some of you, I can tell by the look on your face. I can tell by the tone of your voice. I can tell just by having conversations with you that you're uncertain as to whether or not God is going to do or whether or not God is able to do. Let me remind you that the Scripture says, for He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of God that works within us. Amen. We can believe that and take it to the bank. So that's hope. Now he goes on and he begins to show some examples of faith from our ancestors. In verses 4 through 31, stay with me if you will. It says, by faith Abel offered a, to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he was attested to be righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith, Though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For before he was taken up, he was attested to have been pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be one who rewards those who seek him. Let me pause just long enough to tell you that Enoch had found out what was really important. It was not earthly success. It was not so that people would know his name. He didn't live for that reason. The reason that Enoch was blessed by God is because he walked with God. He was close to God. They were best friends. They were buddies. Every day when, when Enoch woke up, he went searching for God. Where are you? I want to be close to you. I want to be in fellowship with you. 
I want to ask you today, when's the last time that you went seeking for God? When's the last time that you woke up in the morning and the first thought in your mind is, where's God today? What's God doing today? What is His purpose in my life? Where is He working in my life? What's going on? The first thing that I want to know today is where is God? Because wherever God is, that's where I want to be. And that's how Enoch lived his life. He lived in close proximity to God. And one old preacher one day was preaching about Enoch, and he said Enoch was walking with God. And when they looked around, they realized they were closer to heaven than they were to Enoch's house. And so God just said, why don't you just come on home with me? And Enoch went into heaven. He didn't die, but he spends eternity in the presence of the one that he walked with when he was on the face of the earth. How many of you are walking with God like Enoch did? Takes faith to live like that. And then let's move on. He says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Noah? When God came and said to Noah, I want you to build an ark. An ark? What's an ark? I don't even know what an ark is. It's a boat. I'm going to tell you exactly how to build it. I'm going to give you the dimensions. I'm going to tell you what to build it out of. I just want you to listen to my voice and do what I ask you to do. Well, why do I need a boat? Because I'm getting ready to send a flood. I'm getting ready to bring so much rain on the face of this earth that it's going to fill the earth and it's going to destroy the very people that I created because they've gotten so far away from me that I've repented myself and I'm going to destroy them by rain. Rain? What's rain? We don't even know what rain is. Rain had never come on the face of the earth when God told Noah to start building the ark. Everything that Noah did, he did by faith. He had no understanding of what God was saying, but because God said it, he said, I will obey. Because I know that if you're telling me it needs to be done, then it's because you're going to have to do a work of salvation for my family and for this earth. And so he did what God told him to do. Listen, I, I talk to people all the time that they're con- contemplating becoming a Christian. They don't know if they really believe it all, though. They don't, they're not really sure whether or not God is really calling them. Let me tell you something. Salvation is your only hope. If if you have hope for the future, if you have hope for eternity, it's only going to come to you through Jesus Christ. There's only one name given among men whereby men must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. So you will either accept him by faith or you will reject him in doubt. Rejection will, will, will send you to hell for eternity, but acceptance of Jesus and who he is will allow you to live forever in eternity with him. Can you say praise the Lord for that? Amen. By faith, Abraham, 
When he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he has to receive, was to receive for an inheritance. And he left not knowing where he was going. There again, it's an invisible realm, realm this faith is. He didn't know where God wanted him to go, but he was willing to go. Verse 9, by faith he lived as a stranger in the land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which had foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah herself received the ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she was considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, even from one man, and one who was as good as dead at that. There were born descendants who were just as the stars of heaven in number, and as the innumerable grains of sand along the seashore. All these died in faith. Let me stop right there for just a moment. I, I, I have a word for you, for you who are like me who are getting older in your life. You, you've, you've lived a great life. Some of you are retired and, and, and you're living in a retirement state and, and, and you're just wondering what's next. Let me just tell you that if you're still breathing and you're still alive, God has a purpose for you. God has a reason for you to still be here. You're not too old to do exploits for God. It doesn't matter your age. It only matters your faith. Are you willing to obey? Are you willing to believe? Are you willing to, to, in your older years, to say, God, whatever it is that you would have me to do, I'm willing to do it if it brings glory to your name. If you need my life, if you need my words, if you need my, my wisdom, if you need my worship, if you need me to be a mentor to someone, if you need to, for me to show a younger individual the proper way to live by faith, if you want my testimony to bring glory to your name, then God, you have me. You have all of me. As long as I'm on the face of this earth, I am important to the kingdom of God. I want you to know today, most of our seniors, saints sit on the left side or the right side depending on which way you're listening we've got a few scattered in here we've got a few scattered over here but I just want you to know if you've lived a long life of faith God is not finished with you yet he has a plan for you and he will use you in a mighty way I'm going to tell you right now if I were a young individual, a young family, a young person, I'd be seeking someone out who is older and smarter and wiser than me. I would make them my friend. I would have breakfast with them. I would have lunch with them. I would have dinner with them. I'd ask them if I could come over to their house and have coffee or tea. I would sit and listen to the voice of wisdom because these people have already walked past paths that you have not yet walked and they know how to say to you if I were you I think I would look at the word of God and what it says in that matter and I would do whatever the word of the Lord says because he's proven faithful to me all of these years let me tell you I am like Kenny Rogers 
I'm going to go out swinging. I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. I don't want to go out just barely getting by and hopping by in life and just saying, oh God, if I can just make it through this day, it'll be another notch on my belt. No, on the day that I die, I want to be lifting up my voice and giving every ounce of my energy to the King of kings and the Lord of lords so that he will receive glory through me. Amen. Man, I wish I was old today. I'd be inspired. I'd be feeling like there's something good I could do. Amen. No, God's not finished with you yet. Let's keep going. Verse 12, Therefore, even from one man and one who is as good as dead at that, there were born descendants who were just as the stars of heaven in number and as innumerable as grains of sand along the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the totality of the promise of God, but having seen and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country in which they left, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he who has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abram, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and the one who had received the promises was offering up his only son. Why? It was he who, who, who it was said through Isaac, your descendant shall be named. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Listen, living by faith sometimes will not make sense to you. God will ask you to do things that absolutely make no sense to you whatsoever. He will ask you to do things with your money that make no sense to you whatsoever. He will ask you to do things with your testimony that make no sense whatsoever. He will ask you to do things with your time that make no sense whatsoever. But remember, we're not living by tangible evidence. We are living by faith. We're saying, I don't know why God is asking me to do this, but I know this. He's asking me. I cannot get away from it. I can't put it out of my mind. I can't get it out of my soul. I can't get it out of my spirit. I need to be doing this. I need to be giving this. I need to be saying this. I need to be testifying. I need to be calling somebody and encouraging them and edifying them. God has a plan for my life, and I need to be faithful to the call that he has placed upon me. I want to live by faith. I want to do it every moment, every day of my life. I want to be faithful to his call. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of his sons and Joseph, and they worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Did you notice two or three times it says that they did something as they were dying? 
I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I'd like to be like that when I do die. I'd like for somebody to be standing close to me and me being able to say, let me tell you about what God has done in my life. I can remember years ago when God did such and such. I can remember when I was, I was at the end of my rope that God spoke to me and said, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. And I did, and God saw me through all these years. And when I'm dying, I want something significant to happen in my life. I don't think I'll ever forget the day that my mother passed away right here in Louisville, Kentucky. Baptist East Hospital and hospice care. And they had told us, you should not go home tonight you should stay here because your mother is at the end. And she was laying in that bed. She was making very little noise. She was breathing very slowly. Everyone could tell. We were resting while she was resting. We were trying to be quiet while she was being quiet. And we were just waiting for the moment when the angels would come and take her into the presence of Jesus Christ. And I remember sitting there and after we had talked. And we were all tired and I just... I laid my head back for just a little bit, and I fell asleep, and I was sound asleep when all of a sudden, boom, just like that, I woke up, and I felt the divine presence of God in that hospital room, and I immediately jumped up. I leapt up from where I was, and I walked over as quickly as I could get to my mother's side, and I took her hand, and, je- and my sister started coming, and everyone else started, what's going on? What's going on? And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to explain it, but I knew something spiritual was happening, and I took my mother's hands, and while I was standing there beside her bed, On that day, I'm convinced you can't make me feel any differently than what I felt was the angel of God come into that room and ready her to leave that body and to take her soul, her spirit, and take her into the presence of Jesus Christ. And the minute we got to that bed and held her hand, she drew her last breath and she was gone. And from that moment until this, she's been celebrating in heaven with Jesus Christ. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And did you know that when someone, the saints of God, pass from this life, the Bible says that there's pleasure among you in Jesus for them to come to where he is. I'm telling you there are things that are going on right now in the spirit realm that are going to manifest in your life even though you may be close to death. If you're not dead yet, the game ain't over yet. The buzzer hasn't sounded yet. God is going to do a work that will manifest in your life. And it may be when you're dying, just like Scripture says, when they were dying. Can I keep going? Verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, he was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, I'm going to get off just for a minute, and I'm going to meddle. I'm going to, I'm going to stop preaching for a minute, and I'm going to meddle for a minute, if that's all right. I was told in preacher school that when you stop preaching and you start meddling, you better warn the people. So I'm warning you right now. There's no place in this world for us to abuse babies and children when we don't know yet what God has planned for them. 
It's one of the reasons that abortion is so wrong, because we don't know the plan that God has. The Bible says from the moment that they are conceived in the mother's womb and to the very end, God is aware of their lives. And they saw Moses and they looked at him and they said, what a beautiful child. We've got to protect this child even though the king himself says that he must be slain. Listen, I don't care what the king says. I don't care what the politicians say. I'm not into all this debate about, you know, how long should we allow that child to be in the womb before we abort that baby. I'm telling you that from the moment that baby is conceived, it belongs to God the Father, the Creator. And we should do everything we can to protect. You say, I don't know. You say, Pastor, that's extreme. You better believe it's extreme. God is a God of extreme. God is a God who does things the way that He lays it out and not the way the world thinks it. Okay, now I'm going back to preaching now. He was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the temporary pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Let me tell you something. You're never going to be like the world. You're never going to be like the world. Young people, you're not called to be like the world. You're not called to talk like them. You're not called to live like them. You're not called to interact in any way with things that are contrary to the kingdom of God. You aren't called to be that way. You are called to be different because you are God's child. And there are places that God's children ought not go. There are things that God's children ought not do. There are things that God's children ought not say. There are things that we should prepare our lives to live contrary to the ways of the world. We are not in this world forever. We are not of this world, even though we're in it. We're different. I'm not talking about legalistic rules. I'm not talking about getting from some church a list of 10 things that you can do and can't do. You know, when I was a kid growing up, there were a whole lot of things that we couldn't do. But, you know, we didn't know what we could do. We didn't know what we could enjoy. There were a whole lot of things that we were told we couldn't enjoy, but we weren't told what we could enjoy. Listen, I want to remind you that the devil came to kill you and steal from you and destroy you, but Jesus came so that you might have life and so that you might be able to live this life abundantly. God wants you to be blessed, but he wants you to experience blessing in a godly and in a holy manner might not be too long before this preacher is going to talk about holiness. I know that scares some of you to death. But you know the Bible says without holiness, we won't be able to see God. I want to see Him, don't you? So what does it mean to be holy? I'm not going to open that bag today, though. I want to keep reading. By faith He left Egypt. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he persevered as though seeing him who is unseen by faith. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed 
through the Red Sea as through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, they were not drowned. Let me just stop long enough to say that the world cannot do what people of faith are able to do. Oh, they'll look at us and they'll say, how in the world did they do that? How in the world did that miracle come to pass? How in the world? I want to be able to do that too. Listen, the world will never be able to reproduce what God can do through a few faithful people who will stand true to the promises of God. I'm glad to be on the team, aren't you? By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after the Israelites had marched around them for seven days. How would you like to be a child of Israel and just walk by walls that are, that are being, and they just start falling over because of the faith that is in you? By faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time shall fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, then made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Let me just stop. Let me tell you that there are people in this world, and some of those earlier ones we were talking about, they were chosen by God to do exploits. But there are also people that they will never have their names mentioned in the headlines. They just struggle with everyday living. But there is hope for them too when they believe in God. Go to number three, if you will, on the slides. You see... This is where many of us are today. We have to maintain faith in the middle of our trials and our challenges. If I were to ask you today, go around the room and ask you to raise your hand if you were experiencing child, uh, uh, problems and challenges, if you were experiencing difficulties in your life, hands would go up all over this place. It's the world that we live in. But listen, I want to remind you that even in the midst of challenges and difficulties and faith, we can have faith and we can be victorious. I was just thinking this week, you know, we've spent a little bit of time with doctors the last few weeks and months. And, you know, we've stood before doctors and they can just kind of look at you and scratch your head, their heads and it's like, you know, I, I, I see the effects of what you're dealing with, but I don't really know how to help you. And I've told you before that when somebody says, I don't have any more tricks in my bag for you, it kind of causes you to doubt the medical system. And I, I'm not doing that because I know that many of you work in the medical si system, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for those who are able to help. But it just reminds me that the only way that medical personnel can help the people of God is when God enables them to do so. They don't possess any power of their own. That, that's the reason I pray for surgeons all the time. You say, well, what if they're not saved? I don't care if they're not saved. I mean, I care, but it doesn't matter if they're not saved. God can still use their hands and their mind to bring blessing to the child of God. And I was thinking this week, we go to these doctors, and sometimes we're at a place where it almost feels hopeless. You've been to so many doctors 
You've taken so many different medications, and none of it seems to help. And if you're not careful, you begin to lose hope. God, I don't know. I don't know what this challenge brings. I don't know what this trial is going to look like. But I don't know if this person can help me or not. And it dawned on me. We go in there sometimes looking for answers. And what we need to be doing is smiling at those doctors, realizing that though we are seeking their help and we want their wisdom, we already know one who is smarter than they are, better than they are, bigger than they are, more capable than they are, well, able more so than they are to do whatever needs to be done in our bodies and in our lives. Why? Because He is the creator of these bodies. He is able to touch us and heal us. By His stripes, we are healed. We've got to believe, even in the midst of trials. These heroes of faith faced adversity, yet they stood firm and confident in God's promises. They were stoned, many of them. They were sawn in half. What does that mean? That, that means they took a saw and they cut them in half. That's pretty easy to understand. They experienced destitution. Yet they never wavered in their faith. Their testimonies teach us that faith is not exempt from challenges, but it sustains us and it empowers us to overcome. Amen. Amen. And then I need to close. So let me go down to verse 33, 34. Let me go to 35. That's where I stopped. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Say better resurrection. Others experienced mocking, flogging, further chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute and afflicted and tormented. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? People of whom the world was not worthy. Don't miss that. Wandering in deserts, on mountains, and sheltering in caves and holes in the ground. Verse 39, and all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Because God had provided something better for us, so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Do you see that? They didn't receive what they were hoping for. Because God had something better for them. God had something better for them than what they were hoping for. You know, there are times lately that I've walked into a room and my mindset was, I hope to see this and I hope to experience that. My hope is that this situation will have changed. There are times that I come to the church and Mondays, Erlene always gives me the financial report of how things are and what the tithe has been and what the giving has been. And, and I'll tell you, the economy's been rough lately and there have been days that just before I knew that report was getting ready to come, I hope 
to see a good solid number on that report. And there have been some days when what I hoped for was not what I saw. Listen, if what you're hoping for does not materialize, that's not the time to stop believing. That's the time to keep believing. Because it's in that moment that God is able to do what we need Him to do. Now, how do we do this? Hebrews chapter 12 gives us the ultimate example who is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1. Therefore, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that means all these people that we just talked about, they're all in heaven right now, and they are rooting us on. Just like I was sitting on the bench saying, dribble it, Harper, shoot it, Harper, go, Harper, Shut up, ref. Stop blowing your dumb whistle, ref. Just as I was sitting there and I was witnessing, I want you to know that all these people, all these people are watching you run your race. And they're up there and they're saying, keep going. Paul, you can make it. I know you got laid off, but don't worry about it. I have something greater for you than what you had before. Your life is in my hands. Those of you who work for Ford, don't worry about it. God has Ford in his hands and General Motors and Dodge and Chrysler and everybody else. I'm telling you, God is able to take care of you even in the darkest of moments and days rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily entangles us and let's run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus say looking unto Jesus the originator the perfecter of my faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart what does that mean it means that we are direct we are directed in scripture to fix our eyes upon Jesus he is the author He is the perfecter of our faith. He is the ultimate example of unwavering faith. The Bible tells us that he endured the cross. He despised its shame. He he took joy to go to that cross because he knew that two wonderful things were getting ready to happen. Number one, the sin of the world would be forgiven. He would take all the sin of the world upon his shoulders. He would pay the ultimate sacrifice for sin so that we could all live without sin. And after that, he knew that he would ascend into the heavenlies where he would take his seat at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Now let me close by reminding you, for those of you who are discouraged today, for those of you who are facing difficulties and you don't know what the answer is going to look like, You don't know how you're going to overcome. I'll tell you how you're going to overcome. You're going to overcome by keeping the faith, by not giving up, by not getting discouraged because Jesus paid the price for you. He is seated at the right hand of the Father where He ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. He is seated in heaven right now, right by the Father. 
and He knows exactly what you're going through. And that middle realm that I talked to you about early, uh, earlier, it is full of activity that's going from the right hand of the Father to earth, going from the hands of Jesus to where you are. God and Jesus are having conversations about you right now and they are ready, readying your answer and they're getting ready to deliver them on the wings of angels to come and protect you and honor your faith. So listen, child of God, don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop fighting. Don't lose your breath. Do you ever have the breath knocked out of you? I remember playing football one season when I was a freshman in high school and I got hit blindsided by somebody and when they did, they knocked the breath right out of me and I can remember like it happened yesterday laying on that ground and going and no breath in me whatsoever. Thank God it finally came back. I've lived a lot of years since then but you know what? Next year I decided I'd play basketball. I figured it was safer than football. I don't know. Listen, some of you, you've had the breath knocked out of you. Some of you have had situations arise in your life and in your family that you were not expecting. It happened to you and it wasn't your fault. It's life. It happens. But let me tell you that God is on your side. And if you'll trust Him, if you'll trust His Word, He'll see you through. And one of these days, when you're old and when you're dying on your deathbed, somebody will look at you and they'll say, my, my, the faith of that individual. All that they went through in life, and yet they never gave up on God. I want to be like that, don't you? Will you stand with me this morning? So when I started out talking about extraordinary faith extraordinary power it is through faith that we tap into the extraordinary power of God and in doing so we are transformed and empowered to live lives that bring glory to him let me tell you where my heart is as your pastor I'm just telling you I'm not satisfied with where we are as a church. I'm not unhappy with you. I just think God has more for us. I think there are souls out there that need to be saved. I think there are family members that you know that need to give their lives to Jesus Christ. I think there's promotion on the horizon from some of you, but listen, He's not going to promote you so that you can buy a bigger TV to hang on your wall. He's going to promote you so that you can give more generously to the kingdom of God so that ministry can take place. He's going to bring people into your life that's going to notice who you are and they're going to position you so that you can do great and mighty things for the kingdom of God. And that will all affect the church. Next week, when people come onto our parking lot, I don't know, through the years, we've had hundreds of people come through at our Fall Fest. It's our job to love them and minister to them. We're going to have unsaved people who come. We're going to have adulterers who will come. We're going to have homosexuals who will come. 
We may have a few transactions that will come. But it's not our job to judge. It's our job to love them with the love of Jesus Christ. And to let them know Jesus is their hope. Do you believe that? Listen, I'm telling you, God is directing our steps. He's bringing laborers for the harvest. What we've seen is just the beginning. Closing with this this story, and then we're going to pray. This week, actually two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me in prayer early in the morning. And He said, I want you to send this word to one of the pastors in the state of Kentucky. I won't tell you who it is. But he gave me a very direct word for this individual, this pastor who's pastoring this church. They're having great success right now, exploding with growth. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell him, don't think of this as the finished product of the vision that I planted in your spirit so many years ago. It is now coming to pass. But this is only the first fruits of what I have for you. And I'm going to begin through dreams and visions to plant another vision that will support the old vision and attach itself to it, but will move you to a place where you've never been before. And you will not have to get wisdom from another pastor who's already been there. You will not have to sit in classes to learn how to do what I'm getting ready to help you do. All you have to do is get out of your comfort zone and accept the new vision and attach it to the old vision and do what I'm calling you to do. And I sent it, struggled with it for a couple of weeks because, you know, it's just kind of weird one pastor prophesying, if you will, to another pastor and not knowing whether or not they'd even accept it. And I told him, I said, take it or leave it. It's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to say to you, and I sent it. And he he said, oh, he was so grateful for the word. And so he said, it's exactly what's been resonating in my soul and in my spirit. God has blessed us, but I know down deep inside that there's so much more that God has for us. And after I had the conversation, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, now you eat it. He said, now you eat it. I said, Lord, I'm so thankful for what you've already done. It's a first fruits of what I'm about to do with Spirit Life Church. It's a first fruit. So let me tell you, if I have to go places I've never been before, And if I have to get out of my comfort zone and go somewhere else, if I have to pray new ways and do new things, guess what? You're going to have to do the same because God's going to use each of us and all of us in order to fulfill what He has for us to do in this community. And I'm so thankful that He loves us so much that He is willing to unleash the extraordinary in your lives and in my life. Bow your heads and let's pray.
Lord, we wait upon you today. We stand in your presence. If you have a word that you'd like to speak to us, Lord, we want to hear what you have to say. We want to wait. We want to get ahead of the game. We want to listen to you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name.